An unexpectedly high number of Russians are risking their lives and livelihoods to protest the war and to resist messages from state-controlled media. A live TV news broadcast on Russian state media was briefly interrupted by a protester waving a sign that read, Stop the war. Don't believe propaganda. They're lying to you. So how is propaganda shaping public opinion about the war? And how much of the Russian population at large supports it? To dig into these questions, we are joined by Olga Kamenchuk, Associate Professor of Research and Instruction with the Institute for Policy Research and the School of Communication at Northwestern. She spent years doing polling during the Soviet Union and has been following Russians' perception of the war. Welcome to the show, Olga. Hello, Sasha. Based on your research, do Russians support this invasion? Yes, unfortunately, I have to say that majority of Russians do support this war, this invasion. However, uh, the amount of support we see is nothing compared to uh, the so-called Crimean consensus or the support that uh, Russian authorities received from the audience back in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea. Right now, um, you know, based on different polls, we see about two-thirds of Russians supporting the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in 2014, when Crimea was annexed, those were over 90% of Russians supporting that annexation. And the numbers show that public support seems to have increased since the start of the war. Is that right? Yeah, Yes, that's true. Uh, since the start of the war, all indexes, all ratings, you know, the ranking of approval for Mr. Putin, but as well as approval of this war have, you know, 7 to 10% increase we have, we have observed uh, over the time. And largely this is due to propaganda, something you have mentioned. Yeah, well, talk about the, uh, the difference here in, in age and in media consumption, because that comes up as well. Yes, that's not, you know, this support is not uh, unanimous, uh, not monolithic. Um, you know, we see two major factors where there is some differences. For example, age um, seems to be associated with some differences in support for the war. Uh, only um, one third of Russians who are young, aged uh, 25 years old and less, support this conflict, one third, not more. Uh, and among elderly Russians, those who are uh, older than 65, those are more than 70% uh, support. It's kind of a Soviet generation, you know, um, when it was all one country, um, when people deny the existence of identity of Ukrainians of their um, own country and so on. So we see that. And the second factor is media use. The more people are relying on news from Internet and information from Internet, the less likely they seem to be supporting uh, this war that Russia wages in Ukraine. And uh, the more they rely on TV, the more likely they see that there is no war, but rather a special operation. As you know, in Russia, it's prohibited actually to call uh, this war a war. It's called to be uh, considered to be a fake and is punishable by 13 years in jail. Mm. And, and as you talk about support, Olga, tell us how you're measuring that specifically. Um, you can cons- you can conduct opinion polls um, either face to face when you just go from apartment to apartment or house to house, or by phone or online. So there are different ways of measurement of this. Um, public opinion. You can also analyze public opinion by uh, looking at the social media discussions um, and, um, you know, measuring um, the modality, the, the tone of the discussions associated with certain keywords such as Ukraine, war, Russia, Putin, and so on. So there's different ways of collecting this information. But most popular that what we see right now, the data that we get is mostly from opinion polls. 
You mentioned early on levels of support for this war are not the same as the levels that were seen after the invasion of Crimea in 2014. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, that's true. Um, and yeah, that's not the support that uh, Putin's war received back in 2014 when he annexed Crimea. Um, there's People are shocked. Many people are shocked, even the ones who are kind of supporting it. That's why, you know, I call this 60% or 70%, depending on the poster, kind of a shaky a group of people. Once these people will be able to get the true information about the amount of um, destruction um, um, that the, the 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 army of Russia is bringing to this um, to this country. Um, once they find out how many Russian military is also dying there, the real numbers, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the opinion might change. So um, propaganda here does a pretty good job domestically, um, brainwashing and uh, uh, influencing opinion of Russians regarding this war. P- Russians, many Russians do think it's uh, anti-Nazi. Uh, special operation they don't see it as war uh, on the other country but mostly due to the propaganda effect we've been in touch with yelena kuznetsova who's a a russian journalist based in uh, saint petersburg she happens to be in russia right now Uh, wasn't able to join us on the program today but she did send us a voice memo so i want to play a little bit of what she had to say older people watch tv a lot And uh, the state propaganda uses two main fears of of those people. First of all, uh, they are afraid of a great war, like the Second World War, uh, that uh, can happen in the Russian territory. The state propaganda claims that uh, if Vladimir Putin hadn't invaded Ukraine, Ukraine and NATO would have invaded Russia. The second fear of uh, the Russian population is uh, the fear of economic volatility. The state propaganda pursues that Vladimir Putin is the only person who can keep economic stability. What do you say to that, Olga? You know, the sad thing is that there's no economic stability in Russia. Uh, and yet people do think that Mr. Putin is the key to the stability. And here we deal not only with, um, you know, um, those beliefs that people realize, but the ones they kind of imaginary world, the, imagine, the imaginary world. We deal here with cognitive bias, um, the way people block themselves from the information they don't want to see. They do go to the stores. They see the inflation. They see the lines right now to the ATMs and the, and the banks. I've been to Russia two weeks ago at the beginning beginning of this war. Uh, I've seen the crowds in the banks. I've seen these long lines to the ATMs to get the money. Mm. Um, and yet still many people will deny that it's a, it's a big problem for Russia. They will keep watching their TV and believe that Russia will survive. While if you look at the economic indices, the situation is going much worse. We have seen the cases with um, such cognitive bias uh, in other you know situations in other countries when people you know refuse to uh, hear the information. They refu- they block themselves from the information which goes against their beliefs. And here is one of those examples, unfortunately. You've heard reports from people that Ukrainians will call family members in Russia who don't believe them, you know, that bombs are falling from the sky. 
Can you tell us about that? Yes, that's true. Um, You have to also understand that Ukrainians is the second largest uh, ethnic minority in Russia. There are millions of them living in Russia. And so as well as there are millions of Russians, ethnic Russians living in Ukraine. Um, And... uh, very often when relatives are calling each other across the border or writing each other, some of them are in disbelief. Many do believe, but some of them uh, are thinking that both are, uh, you know, manipulated. Uh, Ukrainians are, are believing um, that Russian uh, Russians are falling under uh, Russian propaganda, Putin's propaganda, and Russians are thinking that it's a, a NATO or Western or American propaganda brainwashing Ukrainians. They are blaming Ukrainian army for hiding between the uh, apartment complexes and uh, don't realize that actually whoever shoots uh, is the one you know to be blamed for for, for the shooting, not <laughs> the one who is trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 uh, obvious denial of the of the situation um, from you know from from the Russian side, but I would say not. Not everybody um, who has relatives in Ukraine denies the, the reality of this thing. Also, some people are afraid to talk about this and to discuss this. Um, when I was talking with my friends, I mean, I have friends and relatives both in Ukraine and in Russia. When I talk about these things with the Ukrainians, they talk freely about everything they, they want to say. Re- Russians are afraid even to say, to write some words through in messengers, they, they're afraid to say the word war. They're using the first letter um, for the word war in Russian. And they're saying, oh, we cannot say these words. We're afraid that this will be intercepted. There's people uh, stopped by the police in the cities uh, who is checking our messengers. Um, and uh, we might fall under these new uh, restrictive laws that you know, might end up in jail. And mm-hmm. you have to understand, Olga, we have uh, parents elder, who are elderly. We have children. We, we can't go to jail. So, yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, that's Olga Kamenchuk, a pollster and public policy professor at Northwestern University. Olga, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky spoke to the U.S. Congress this morning. Now, we asked Yelena, the journalist in St. Petersburg, how Russians are responding to his appeals to the Russian people. Let's listen to what she had to say about that. I would say that they are not quite efficient. As for older people, even if they hear or watch these appeals, uh, they still will support and they still will support Vladimir Putin and hate Ukrainians. As for uh, the younger part of the population, um, they really don't need any appeals uh, because without any appeals, stand for Ukraine. And they understand that what's going on is a great tragedy, not only for Ukraine, uh, but for Russia. Uh, They understand that um, our country is going through economic and political collapse. Uh, They understand that Vladimir Putin is becoming a military dictator. Olga, what are best practices for, for penetrating through the propaganda and reaching people? Um, yes, well, first of all, um, technology provides us some new means of reaching out to people. One reason why elderly, um, you know, people and, and in general, older generation of Russians um, uh, don't believe what is actually happening in Ukraine is because they mostly rely on TV. And even if they use Internet, they are mostly limited to uh, Russian social media, which is blocking all this uh, information uh, from Ukraine. They don't get this information. Don't, they don't see it. So the, 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 what 
can work and what works usually in other cases of misinformation and disinformation, for example, um, 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 COVID misinformation that we have seen, um, is um, uh, talking and persuading the relatives. So these young Russians who are, who are enough technologically savvy to be able to use social media that is being blocked right now, by the way, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these foreign media, international media is blocked now. Yeah. Still, many people are using them by um, means of VPNs or circumvention tools, which help them still access it. Old Russians don't know how to use it, but younger ones can. Um, and, you know, encouraging conversations, appealing to younger Russians to engage in conversations with their older um, relatives, parents and grandparents, and talking with them about the situation. That's the way how you can try um, to reach the, the understanding of the real size of the of the of that war. Um, you know, there were attempts to send messages and emails uh, and texts uh, to Russian uh, phones and messengers and email accounts at the beginning of the war. Uh, there were lots of them. They were written in a respectable uh, way um, in Russian. Sometimes Russian, though, would be like Google Translate Russian. But in mm-hmm. general, those would be uh, pretty high-quality Russian. And yet, those were very quickly ignored. Too much and little control that Russian felt that they, they can have over this fear, especially when they see pictures of the dead people. Mm-hmm. So there was actually a change of strategy right now. There is a different strategy which is used now is to try to, to engage into conversation. So um, just sending information and flooding people with information, especially if it's a scary information, inhibits the possible um, uh, cooperation, understanding, and response. But involving people into conversations uh, is something um, that, that might help. And you know, President Zelensky is... Um, it's a celebrity in Russia too. He he was a very famous person even before he became a president as a comedian. So many Russian, you know, young people and middle-aged Russians know him. So his appeals and he often speaks in Russian and he, you know, addressed Russian protest movement several times um, about protests. They actually help, but they reach out only young people and middle-aged people if they use circumvention tools to assess this information, encouraging them to talk with their elderly relatives. Yeah. Um, this is something that can help. That was Olga Kamenchuk, associate professor with the Institute for Policy Research in the School of Communication at Northwestern University. Thank you, Olga. Thank you. Bye-bye. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.